Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. It is uh, Tuesday, April 9th, and uh, this is Ursula Pottinger from Be Above Leadership, and I'm here with my uh, wonderful um, business partner and friend and co-founder of Be Above Leadership, Anne Betts. Hello, hi, Anne. Every- yeah, hi. Hi, Ursula. Hi, everybody. We are Hi, everybody. So- we're so excited to talk about creativity and inspiration today. It just felt like it's a rainy day here in Minneapolis, and that just I feel so I'm so glad we're talking about that today, Ursula. Should I um go ahead and start with the poem I talked about? Yes, I think that okay. would be that would be lovely. You get us get us on the road of inspiration. Okay, that that sounds <laughs> good. This is uh I was flying home from Toronto uh, Sunday night after we led a course there, and I saw as we're Sunday afternoon, sort of early, sort of early evening, and I we flew and I saw the edge of the clouds where the cloud cover stopped, and, and I wrote this poem. Wonderful. Uh, it's called "I Saw the Edge of the Clouds." <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> have a better lovely. title than that. All right, here we go. <laughs> I saw the edge of the clouds and thought of glaciers slowly inching across centuries. I thought of coverings and protection, of what is hidden and what emerges. I thought of the way a plane breaks through to the ever-present sun above. I thought of what waits for us with patience while we toil. I thought of darkness and light and how we sometimes, rarely, can see the place they meet. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm, thank you. What inspired you to write this poem? Well, are you a coach or something? What a great question. I have my um, I have my coach <laughs> moments. Well, and I, I love that you asked me that because that's why I wanted to start with a poem. I really was that I was so struck by that image, and it wasn't just a cloud, but it was the edge of the cloud. We like we first we broke through into the sun, and that always inspires me. This idea that even when the clouds are overhead, the sun is ever present. Find yes. that really interesting. Yes. So I had that image, and then to see the edge of the clouds, where it was, per, where on the left side it was perfectly clear, and I could see everything, and on the right I could just see the clouds. I couldn't see what was beneath, and I, I didn't have the whole poem. I just had this image of the edge of the clouds, and I thought there's something there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what wants to speak to me about that, but there's something there. Mm-hmm. I wrote it yesterday. So, um, you know, I, I love this image because, you know, as you know, um, I fly a lot as yes. well because we sometimes fly together and certainly we often fly okay. together to the same locations. But there is something about being up in the air above the clouds or, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love uh, night flights when the, the mm. sky is clear and I look mm. down. Um, and this was my experience when I flew back on Sunday. I saw all these diamond-looking mm. in all shapes and sizes and colors that looked like, you know, diamonds. And then there was the sky full of stars. Mm. 
And there was something about being high up in the air and look down onto this world of little diamonds and, and all the and leaving the 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 human experience of work and 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 worry behind and be high high above. Yeah. It's all of these are there's some kind of knowing in all of these images. You know, you've got the diamonds in the sky and the diamonds below and and we're constantly, as we walk through life every day, surrounded by images. And um, some of you know those of us who are who are coaches will know that one of the techniques we use in coaching is we'll say to our clients, "What what's catching your eye right now?" Mm-hmm. Or they'll 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 say, "Oh, there's a bird outside my window," and we know it's. If we basically know it's not just random. There's some reason we're locking onto that. There's mm-hmm. some message there. Yes. So, I also yeah, I also think that when I look at at these images, um, and and this might be a good segue into the brain. I don't know, oh, but yes. there is really I can feel something in my body mm. and in my brain when I look outside and I or when I look down onto the diamonds of the of Earth. There is something that happens in my brain in my body mm. that really that I can really feel the shift. Mm. What happens? What do you feel? Well, it is. I, I sort of feel a, a relaxation, a peace, a, a sort of a. Um, yeah, I can only. Uh, that's how it is best described. Mm. When I don't think about that, this is Earth, and down there are the roads. But I just admire the mm. beauty and look at the the images. There is a relaxation, a peace that I feel. That yeah. that really takes me above the clouds. That's beautiful and it it it's like you're really talking about so I think it's a beautiful segue into the brain at least part of the brain um because you're talking about being present. Mm. And I think when we have an image like that, like my image of the clouds, it was so it just it just it so captured me. It was boom, I just I just was so there. I can remember that image. I can remember the edge of the clouds and these. I don't know where we were. We might have been, you know, we were over some big lakes of some kind. And I, you know, I remember that. And if you think about how much in life we don't remember, right? Yes. We're not present. Oh, yes. You know, how many places yes. have you been on? How much have you looked out the window and not remembered anything? But you remember your diamonds. I remember these lakes and this edge of the clouds very vividly because we were present. So what happens? And you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry. I have to have, I have a little level one moment here because uh, I am looking out the window at the tree, and just at this moment, a red cardinal has flown onto the mm. branches and is looking mm. directly at me. <laughs> and it's sort of like it, you're so right. I mean, I am so present to this beautiful red bird in this beautiful green tree. I'm so present to it that I'm almost forgetting that I'm on the radio show with you and I should really say something. Isn't that fascinating? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I think what what, what is happening with all of this, there's probably other things that we won't talk about, but but one thing that we do know is that one what's happening here is that it's activating the right hemisphere of our brain. Yes. And when we, we talk about creativity, and so I need to talk there for a little bit because 
Let me start out kind of big picture. I think historically, before we knew as much about the brain as we know today in 2013, we've always said, well, the right people who are right hemisphere dominant, they're creative, and the left hemisphere isn't yes. creative. And even if you see all those pictures on Facebook where the the right hemisphere, it's like it's all colored, and the left mm-hmm. hemisphere, everybody's, everybody's in cubicles, or it's all gray, you know. It's, yeah. It's really this this really kind of unfair bias yeah. that everybody. Everybody feels sorry for the left hemisphere and the bias the right hemisphere, how colorful it is. (laughs) It's like flowing out and all of that. So that's been like the the bias is that the right hemisphere gets to have all the fun and then the the left hemisphere has to pay the bills. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So, and there's a certain, there is some truth to it, but what I always like to say, as you know, Ursula, is there is very little that we do that does not involve both hemispheres of the brain. So even creativity, I don't want to say, is a purely right hemisphere function, but there are some aspects Mm-hmm. that I want to talk about that I think our conversation so far kind of points to. And then we'll talk about, like, well, where does the left hemisphere come in? So the right hemisphere is what is what will notice and bring in new information, and, and it's, it, it, it's about the present moment. It's also about images. And so mm-hmm. when we get this image, I you know, I got the image of the edge of the clouds before I had any words about it. I didn't have any words. I didn't have a poem. I didn't have any thoughts. I just had this, just like with your red cardinal or your diamonds, I just had this image that wouldn't leave me alone. And yes. That's part of the the noticing and the presence and the awareness, taking something in that is important even if we don't exactly know why yet because we need mm-hmm. our left hemisphere to help make some to help kind of focus in on it but that's the right hemisphere mhm i i you know uh, i want to also say uh, something else add something to your your great description of both the hemisphere so far <laughs> it, it really is the right hemisphere really um is is looking for images and mm. and the and insight. I know it can't. It, 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 I'm not saying this very well, but let me say it anyway. Oh yeah, please. The right hemisphere is wanting insights, and it needs the left hemisphere to put it into words. Yes, exactly. So there's a there's a beautiful dance of the two of them, but the right hemisphere is the part of us that holds this kind of, there's some kind of meaning there, mm-hmm. but it's, it's hard to, I think Robert Heinlein came up with this word, to grok it, to totally understand it. It's more amorphous, hard, like like um, general, like dispersed when it comes yes. into our right hemisphere. And yet, that's where it comes in. So I want to talk about the research on insight, because this is sort of part of insight, inspiration, and I mm-hmm. find this really, really fascinating. So there's a, there's a couple of ways to solve a problem. And the one sort of traditional way is we think really, we, like we think really hard about it. Like, you know, <laughs> I think about, you know, you and I have problems all the time. Like, um, how do we teach this? 
You know, that's mm-hmm. one of our classic problems, challenges. Not, you know, it's not an issue, but we'll say, oh, my goodness, what is the best way to get people in touch with their prefrontal cortex? Like, how yes. are we going to do this? Yeah. And so the first way, the classic way, the way that most, you know, businesses and, you know, everybody kind of, you know, the legitimate quote way is you just think really hard about it, right? Yeah, until you get a headache. <laughs> literally sometimes, yeah. Literally, until yes. You get a, I think you get you, and you want to know why literally? Yeah, because tell you, me. Well, okay, I don't know if this is true. This is what I'm making up in the moment. Um, the, your brain is taking about 20%, using about 20% of the oxygen, and the 20% oh, of yes. oxygen and calories. Yep. So when you're really focusing in and getting your, you know, what we would call getting your head around things and activating that left hemisphere logical processing, it's using a lot of calories and oxygen. And mm-hmm. so I think the headache comes from, um, can come from some glucose depletion and also yeah. from some oxygen depletion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You just need to insert some oxygen. Take a break. So that's the first way. And, it, you know, you and I use that, and it works pretty well. It's like, well, let's try this, and what about that? And we go back and forth, right? I'll say, yes. well, what if we did this? And you say, well, no, that won't work because everyone will assume it's X, and we want them to think it's Y, and blah, 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 right? Yep. So we mm-hmm. do our analysis. Yes, we and do then, our analysis. Our analysis sequential mode. Sequential <laughs> analysis solves the problem of how to teach the prefrontal cortex or whatever the heck we've decided to, mischief we've decided we're up to. And then you and I will look at each other and we'll just, we'll sigh and we'll say, let's go for a walk. Let's go shopping. <laughs> let's go shopping even better. Even better. And favorite relaxation exercise, not for everybody, but Anne finds shopping very inspiring, So, uh, as does Ursula. So we'll do yep. something else. We'll actually turn off the logical sequential. I think shopping I find inspiring because I actually find it very creative, putting an outfit together or looking at pretty jewelry. I know this makes me sound really shallow, but really it is true for me that, as you know, Ursula, it's inc- I find shopping very, very meditative and therapeutic and well, I think we surround ourselves always, with colors and beautiful yeah. objects, which I think is, is, you know, taps into the right brain. Mm-hmm. You know, the beauty of things and, and how colors work together very much is, is you know, is, a, is, a, is the job of the right brain. Yeah, and so, you know, as you know also, we will all, you and I will often go for a walk. We used to yeah. have a, a we used to have a business membership to when Ursula lived in Minneapolis to the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum and we would regularly mm-hmm. office out there. We would go out there for the day to be surrounded by flowers and beauty and found it incredibly inspiring. Because what we would do in the process of either shopping or being in nature, both of those work pretty well uh, for us, is that we would tap into the right hemisphere. And oftentimes when we let go of worrying about how to solve the problem, one of us would look at the other and say, I've got it. Yes. And they call that in the neuroscience, those are those aha or eureka moments of insight. Yep. And it is... Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I wanted to also say this is not true for shopping, but it's definitely true for walking and, <laughs> and being in nature. There's something about the quietness and the peace that, at least for me, creates a, a different space. You know, I think that for those who have seen Jill Bolte-Taylor's TED Talk, 
um, she really speaks to this well as she was losing her right right hemisphere and recovering from a right hemisphere stroke. She talked about her uh, left hemisphere stroke, excuse me, she lost a lot, big chunks of her left hemisphere. She just had her right, and she talks about she needed the nurses with soft voices. She oh. needed she needed nature. Mm-hmm. We had someone else in one of our classes who had had some left hemisphere, had had a left hemisphere, some kind of um, mild stroke or damage. Do you remember that, Ursula? Yes, I do. And some some mild trauma. I remember that. Yeah, and she re- fully recovered. But she talked about during her recovery, going as she was recovering going to Macy's and just looking at her. Her friends were taking her out on this outing and going to Macy's and looking at them and saying, you people enjoy this? She was Mm -hmm. completely overwhelmed. So I think there's something, the evidence seems to show us, there's something about the right hemisphere liking this calm, very peaceful, beautiful energy. And what so what happens in the brain, and they've figured out, I, I love scientists and I love their creativity, how they figured out how to measure these things. So how they've done it is actually used some imaging, um, mm-hmm. functional MRI imaging, and given people problems to solve. Um, the classic one is what one word goes with these three words. Um, let's see. Again, <laughs> I can't remember the three words now. Uh, pi. No, that's Apple. the word. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I remember that. And you know, it's it was pie tree, tree and pie tree and crab, pie tree yes. and crab. Good, good. Well, the good apple led us to it. Yeah, the apple led it. So you give you give people these three words, and they have a number of these puzzles: pie, tree, and crab. What's the one word that goes with all of them? And so one way to solve it, and then they then they were, have scanned the brains. One way to solve it is to sort of try a bunch of different words until you come to one. You go, oh, you know, it's not this word, it's not that word, it's this word. Yes. And they know, and they see steady firing in a certain portion of the brain. And then there's the way where it it's just sort of like there's no firing, there's a little relaxation, and boom, it fires and they've got the word. And they yeah, that's amazing. That, that's that inspiration <laughs> moment. And what they found is needed for that is you have to stop thinking. And, you know, it's so hard to do because we are so programmed <laughs> oh, to to think and to want to figure it out. And it takes such trust to just switch it off and not think. Mm-hmm. And just and really know that it will come and really get into this place of trust and openness and, and really just saying, okay, well, I, I will wait until it does. And trusting, as you say, trusting that it will. I think about our last uh, our last workshop up in Toronto. If anybody's listening up there, this is a little transparency for you guys. We had a we had a half of a day. We got up there and we knew that the way that we'd been teaching something wasn't. It was it was like seventy percent, but it wasn't that like oh yes, locked in yes. Mm-hmm. This works. We didn't have that, and and we like that. We like that feeling like yes, it works. So we had it open. And so up until the night before, that section of the final day was open. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do. And what Ursula and I have figured out over the years, and this has taken many years to have this kind of trust, is that it will come. Yes. Just relax. 
don't worry about it. Don't think too hard about it. Trust that it will come. And for us, given our personal beliefs, we often say it comes through the channel. It feels channeled. It feels like it's been given to us. Mm-hmm. And that for, that works for our particular belief system. It may be that that's not true. It's just coming from the depths of our wonderful unconscious. <laughs> like there are moments the, when I like to believe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that would be better for my more fun for the ego. But, you yeah. know. But it, but it always does. When we don't worry, when we don't worry, when we worry, we end up with something not as good. And I think that because of the pace in today's organizations, you know, true creativity, you can't access that if your brain is overloaded with adrenaline because of the stress um, of deadlines and all of that, yeah. you don't get at these really amazing like like what we did on the final day was such a hundred for me such a hundred percent yeah because we hadn't worried about it. Well, and you know certainly in in organizations, you know you can't make uh, an appointment with creativity. I mean, you can't say <laughs> at 10 a.m. now today on Wednesday or tomorrow uh, t- tomorrow Wednesday or today Tuesday we will at 10 a.m. we will have a creativity session. I mean, I guess uh, what, that, that's only partially true. I think if it is structured in a way that enhances and evokes creativity um, and and really taps into the right brain, brain into to the silence, into the imagery. I guess it could be done, but I, I, what I do know from my clients, that's usually not how it works in organizations. Yeah, I you know, think that, that the, sort of the classic, the classic around this, and I do think this is why it works, is you know the Googles of the world, and I, I haven't had any clients there, so I, I only know sort of the you know, the myth, but, you know, you have the basketball and you have the, you know, hula hoops or whatever going on um, that spark creativity. And part of that is because you're not thinking, you're getting some oxygen into your body. If you're doing something physical, you're shutting off that rational left brain and um, getting out of the linear push, push, push mode to the place where inspiration can come. And so I do think you know, as uh, toys and um, and mm-hmm. me, uh, taking a moment, even just if I wanted to be practical, for those of you who want something practical, you know, taking a moment to breathe and get grounded mm-hmm. and even just, you know, check in with your body in a meeting, the, all of those things can open up greater creativity and are, you know, are not... Those are the things that we often think, well, we'll do that when we have time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I even find that that if I really want to solve a problem and it's eluding me, you know, to really completely step away from it and, you know, uh, do the dishes, do the laundry, Mm. do some gardening, Mm. something Mm. that has nothing to do, is not related to that particular job, task, to do, you know, go completely away from it and, and, and turn around, leave it there, do something completely different that while I then do something else, it will come to me. And it might not, and here's what's, what I find interesting, is it might not be the solution that comes to me right away, but what does comes, come to me is the inspiration to find it. Say more about that. That's really interesting, the inspiration to find it. Well, you know, when, when I, when I, you know, when I sit in my office and I'm trying to solve a, you know, a, a, you know, a problem and, and it's just, it's sort of like stuck and it will not move, it will not be, you know, shaken loose. 
it, uh, you, I get frustrated. It's like, you know, I sit there and think, you know, why can't I figure this out? And then when I, 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 I walk away from it and I do something else and, you know, particularly gardening and, and, you know, taking the dog for a walk and again, going into nature. Well, um, all of those things increase your oxygen to your brain too. the gardening, you're moving. You may be even doing some cross hemisphere things. If you're reaching across your body, all of those things help, you know, help the brain. Right. And so then in that moment, having left the problem behind, once I've done that, whatever that is, I, I come back and it's like, oh, I feel so much better. Oh. I know I can figure it out now. Oh, oh. then you have the, you get back into sort of a positive attitude. And, and we've talked before on this program, you know, the thing about, oh, the thing about the brain is there's just, it's so inter it's not just one thing. And so we've talked about the prefrontal cortex getting overloaded with adrenaline, which mm-hmm. also, if we go for a walk in nature or breathe, we're also helping with that. So there's sort of multiple multiple aspects that are going on there. But I, I want to sort of loop back to the cardinal in your yard and the edge of the clouds and the diamonds that we started out with because I think that in that relaxed state, the brain is bringing something in. The right brain is able to, the, you know, if I if I were to sort of anthropomorphize the brain, <laughs> I'd say... I'd say well, can you say that word again? Wow, that anthrop- was impressive. Anth- Oh, isn't that isn't that good? I'm I'm good with six syllable words. Anthropomorphize. That was only five. So it means make it human. It means sort of you know talk. Yeah. You know, it's like we anthropomorphize our animals and all the time. Yes. So um, if I were to anthropomorphize the the brain, and I'm sure a, I'm sure a classically t- trained neuroscientist would be you know thumping their fist on the table right now. But I'm going to do it anyway. Horrified. <laughs> horrified. That's fine. Um, you know, I think of the right brain as being sort of shy. Mm-hmm. And it comes in, it, it, you know, it's like a shy little, you know, it's like you've got two kids and one of them is the, you know, tells you everything and says it all and boom, boom, boom and crashes through life like our left hemisphere. And then the right hemisphere is sort of shy. And yes. It's sort of quiet. And, a little and delicate. A little bit. And, it, you know, it's been out on the beach gathering seashells and treasures, and it wants to show you, and it comes in with these treasures. And and if you take a moment, you can see the tre- It's always bringing you treasures. That's its job, always bringing you treasures. And the left brain is kind of barreling through life, not taking the time. And we need to get them in communication is, you know, that's a big stand of of the above leadership is about the integration. But there's a place, and maybe this goes to the poem that I'll wrap up with. I'll do that, and then we can talk about upcoming offerings. Ursula, does that sound good? Yep, that sounds fantastic. Okay, because I want to talk about, you know, it isn't, if we just had the right brain, we wouldn't be able to get anything done because everything sort of sw- it sort of swirls around in this wonderful sea of everything. Yes. So I wrote a poem about this, and the poem is called "Why Poetry." Be- before you go there, yeah. I wanna, there's something I've, I've really just noticed is I love the way you are describing the two hemispheres. Mm. And really looking at them, um, particularly the right brain, it's so really, I mean, it's sort of like a little creepy. You're you're describing my two daughters. 
Oh, one barreling through life is <laughs> zest and great determination. The other one coming and wanting my attention with treasures and the seashell. And I just love how we need to really develop a capacity to pay attention to both. Yes, to to honor both. Yeah. So Thank you for that. That was yeah. lovely. <laughs> well, here is what I came up with. And in, in for me, it's part of the honoring of both. And this is, was really, again, this was an image that my right brain brought in. And then the more I wrote about it, I was able to really see the point and the purpose and make it into something. So um, this is called Why Poetry. Mm. Helen Keller said she came alive. When she learned her first word, water. Anne Sullivan traced it on her palm over and over while the wetness splashed around them, water. From a chaotic background of everything, jumbled and banging together all at once, came one thing, alone and distinct, water. And she, the girl, the being, was there her conscious life now possible. So we need distinctions and clarity. We need to know where one thing starts and another ends. We need to shape our amorphous feelings into some sort of understanding. Poems are our Anne Sullivan's, tracing something again and again on the contours of our mind. Mm. Beautiful. Mm, thank you. The contours of our mind. Mm. Mm. And and really learning to and and knowing and loving loving those hemispheres. Mm-hmm. I not think that's that's our job. Yeah. Yes. Not discounting loving. one or the other, but loving both because clearly they both have a, a very important role to play. Exactly. So let's see, in order to hang out with Be Above Leadership, um, I'm going to be speaking in Montreal, Canada on May 15th for a CTI evening. We will be speaking together, yay, um, yay. at the at the Midwest ICF Midwest Conference in Minneapolis in June. Yep. Um, we have a uh, uh, the beginning of our four-module series on uh, the neuroscience, consciousness, and uh, transformational coaching. We still have some availability in Toronto for the fast-track version, and you can go on our website and look at that or email us or give us a call. And we're also um, starting one in London, England in June. We'll be doing a retreat in California, and our retreats are fabulous, and we have a wonderful retreat center, and that's in August. So that's kind of the upcoming things. You can go on our website and take a look at how to connect with us, but we would love to see you and have more conversation about the hemispheres and inspiration and how coaching can help with it all. That is wonderful, and actually, the the most uh, the, the the event closest I think to this date is the is an evening event uh, in California oh. on April twenty fifth. Um, if I am correct, yes, I think I am. April twenty fifth. Um, we have a um, short. Uh, I think it's three hours and uh, three hours. Yes. 
yep, the neuroscience of effectiveness in Corte Madeira at the Best Western uh, in in Corte Madeira. So that is the next event coming up for uh, for us. Um, yes. And so we we want to thank you for for listening, and uh, we hope that we've inspired you a mm-hmm. little bit today, and uh, that you find new access to your inspiration and your creativity through through your amazing right brain. <laughs> and thanks, Anne, for being thanks. here again today. And, uh, you know, have a lovely day, all of you. And we hope to see you at one of our events. And, and if you if you do come or uh, want more information, as Anne says, go on our website, www.beaboveleadership.com. And make yourself known and say, I first heard about you on your radio show. We like to know that somebody's listening. All right, thanks, Ursula. This was lovely. Lovely to talk with you. Bye, everybody. And you too. Bye-bye, everybody.